The Rewindables, the one you take to bed with you. All right, welcome back to The Rewindables. Chris Wendelkin, Ben Craw, Christian Lynch. Gents, we are back down the rabbit hole with the Rocketeer. Back on our bullshit. We are back on our bullshit with the Rocketeer 1991, Joe Johnston's film, The Rocketeer. And last we left off, our protagonist, Cliff Secord, and his his uh, wingman, um, PV, they just uh, discover this rocket pack. And we see this like magical glint in Cliff's eye. He's sort of discovering the magical powers of this pack. He just became a flying god in his Wait, mind sorry, did you because... intro? Uh, sorry, did you intro us, Chris? Maybe, sorry if I totally... I did. Oh, boy, we're good. Okay, we'll take two. <laughs> Let's do it again, though. You gotta slow down, Chris. You gotta slow way down. Did you say your name was Jim or John? Well, he's both, actually. Um, teachers, when we're growing up, you know, they used to always say, hey, you can have this one. He's a real jammer. Well, good morning from Calcutta. You get the slow way down. Full blood. Women. Ain't they perfect? Not always. Yes, they are. They're perfect. Don't matter if they're skinny, fat, blonde, or blue. If a woman is willing to give you her love, it's the greatest gift in the world. Makes you tall, makes you smart, makes you deep shine. Boy, oh boy, women are perfect. My choice for the vice presidency. If you're ever lonely watching television, your troubles may soon be over. That's because finally there's a TV that talks back to you. Kind of. Interactive TV doesn't really speak, but there is a whole lot more give and take than with your average two. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Welcome back to The Rewindables. Chris Wendelkin, Ben Craw, Christian Lynch. The three of us are cousins. Guys, we are talking <laughs> about... Just us three cousins. All blood cousins, related. Yeah. Just doing three cousin stuff. Cousin magic, cousins we call it. on Zoom talking about Joe Johnston's 1991 film, The Rocketeer. Hmm. I think last we talked, guys, we were with Cliff, Secord, and PV. They were in a bean field. They were testing out this jet pack. They tried to stake it into the ground and it wound up shooting into the sky and it came crashing back to earth. Yep. And it wasn't just the jet pack on a chain. I will say I'm going to issue uh, my first personal correction. Having now yeah. watched this scene over and over and over, I was adamant that this statue of Charles Lindbergh was wood. I acknowledge that mistakes were made here. Because the sound effect <laughs> sounded like wood. But I watched okay. it over and over and over trying mm. to be like, why did I so adamantly, I mean, I'm talking like asterisk, asterisk, yeah. asterisk, bright you were, red. It's you wood. would double down on the wood. I wrote, I wrote wood. You were I was, fucking insistent. I was insistent. You are no longer black or brown or yellow or red. You are now green. You are light green or dark green. Do you understand? But like, that doesn't make sense. When have you ever seen a wood statue be beyond a cigar shop and a yeah. big bear? Big, big bear. A big, big bear. bear. Yeah. So I'm going to issue my first correction that despite the sound being kind of wood-esque, I got to go with this is a bronze statue. Wow. I know. We're saying, I, we're, know. We're saying bronze, okay. I know. Cousin Christian I know. with a retraction. With a retraction. Because yeah. the a reversal. Not just I a mean, retraction, but a full reversal. TV and Cliff seem to be carrying this sucker along the uh, the the field with a level of weight. I could just feel the cold on the bronze. Yeah. It doesn't feel wood to me. And if it was wood, it would have burned up. So I'm gonna Great go with point. it's a it's bronze, baby. That's a and bronze you would have seen the, there would have been splinters and and more yeah. of a, a jagged shard, uh, you know, type type shape uh, in the so. skull. Yeah, so yep. correct. Chris, where we left off is PV and Cliff had fired off a jetpack strapped to a bronze statue of Charles Lindbergh. And uh, Ben will probably I, take us on an eight-hour detour about Charles Lindbergh's uh, thick thighs. And he probably knows the inside inside <laughs> seams yep. of his pants because it's on charleslindbergh.com. Mm -hmm. That's what Ben's yep. here for, is to tell us all for, the details. Stay, yep. Look stay for tuned that for that bonus episode. Eight, eight to 12 months. Yes. Folks. So a bronze statue of Charles Lindbergh has just come crashing into a bean field. Cle uh, Cliff and Peavy have some fanciful ideas about what they're going to do with it. 
And we cut to mm. our next scene. Mm. Be still, my beating heart. You're a sweet little headache. We have a, we open on a Victrola record player. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful vintage record player. And then a tight close-up shot of a woman's leg. Yep, yes. Slow down, pair. Chris, uh, please. Slow down. <laughs> please slow down, my God. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That's putting it mildly, 007. You maniac. Um, yeah. You are uh, going way past <laughs> the speed limit. You know why I pulled you over? Depends on how long you were following me. Why don't we just take it from the top? Here goes. I sped. I followed too closely. I ran a stop sign. I almost hit a Chevy. I sped some uh, more. Let's I talk about the record the that's, that's playing here because we're, we're taking things real slow and a little, easy. A little and, ditty. And a little ditty by the name of You're a Sweet Little Headache. A Sweet Little Headache, a song written by Leo Robin and Ralph uh, Ranger, I believe. Oh, my Lord. Wait, Uh, are we sure about this? Yes, I am. This rendition, however, is by Artie Shaw and his orchestra with vocals by Helen Forrest. Uh, if that was the name you were looking for there, Christian, um, yep, it was Forrest <laughs> it was. was a big, uh, a big, big, uh, singer back in the day. Uh, she, she sang with all the heavy hitters, uh, Benny Goodman, Artie Shaw, Harry James, among others. Um, and fellas, this song was published in October of 1938, literally the month that this movie is set in. So this was like a hot brand new jam that had just hit the streets. Uh, yep. That Jenny is bumping She's bopping on to that it. record player uh, again. Just incredible attention to period details and yep. uh, accuracy. And um, just for the just for the record, I literally blew past the stop sign of, for Ben and Christian at about seven frames, <laughs> yeah. maybe seven to yeah. eight frames. Yeah. We 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 where we begin on a record player and we pan to a woman putting on a silk stocking. We're not and talking and, about and the woman. Yeah. Yet, okay? Immediately, just slow down. Ben gave me the stop sign. And Chris, <laughs> I can't even move seven frames. Chris, folks. I, I think I, I have speak, that little. I think I room. speak for the Rewindables fans when I say, "How dare you?" We've had quite enough of your shenanigans. Mr. Van de Car, will you please assume the angle? Ah, gee. <laughs> that will be quite sufficient, Mr. Van de Car. You ready? This will hurt me more than it will hurt you. Ah! <laughs> if Dickabot only knew, perhaps you'd award the lad high marks for dramatics. Ouch! <laughs> you children are possessed. I guess when a man is as skittish as poor Ichabod, he sees the devil in almost anything. <laughs> how dare yeah. you try to blow past how those seven not, frames? How have you not learned by now? Um, yeah, this is a fun little fact, actually, that the um, this was actually a song recorded for the Paramount picture Paris Honeymoon, which was a Bing Crosby picture dropped in uh, January of 1939. Um, and as a YouTube comment... Uh, from 11 years ago, this was from At Cover Recording, says, hey, I have this song on a 10-inch 78 RPM shellac phonograph record. It was actually the B-side to I Have Eyes, also played by Artie Shaw and the Orchestra, which also featured Helen Boris. So this was a B-side mm. of that record. Anyways, none of this is in the Rocketeer, but God damn it, we're going to stop everything because yeah. that little record sound, um, it's important because quite frankly... I'm going to save it. I'm, we're going to talk about that song one more time. But what do we see next, Chris? So we pan over and we uh, we meet Jenny Blake. She's putting on a pair of silk stockings. She's 24, this beautiful young woman. She has this bright red lipstick and this sort of wide-eyed optimism. Wait, she, is she 24? How do we know that? Um, I, I did a little... Uh, so you're telling me there's a chance? No. <laughs> no, yeah, I think <laughs> but, Chris but is optimistic. Let, let's He's just like, say she's she she's 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 a young woman who appears to be getting ready for a date or an evening out. Now, yeah. uh, <sighs> the way you're describing it makes it seem like we just wham cut to uh, Jenny Blake. That's not actually how we are introduced to her, and I think yeah. this is very important. Uh, Got to slow down even further. We're going to slow down even more. How Jenny's introduced is the camera starts on the Victrola playing this, the record. And we zoom out a little bit and we see a bit of a toe putting on a nylon stocking. And the camera follows her, this hand as it pulls up nylon, nylon stockings, tan like, like skin colored nylon stockings. 
and clips them onto a garter belt hmm. and which it continues to pan up uh, her figure, which is showing this kind of like really folks cool. were just describing the camera movements. Okay? Just ca- describing the camera movements, but we're I think not. Like, we're just stating fact here. We're not being no. creepy. I promise. No, I promise you, and this is actually going to speak to a larger point. So I'm not just saying this for no reason. It pans up, and we actually finally see that Jenny is wearing this, like, black and white, kind of very graphic, cool 1920s, uh, like, kind of blazer or something. And then yeah, is that a pan pinafore? Up. I'm not sure. I was. I never to know the name exactly. for it. It's like yeah. a little like vest over a sh- over like a black and white check shirt. And then we see this like perfectly quaffed black hair, and the head tilts back. And this really fair faced woman has bright red lipstick. And the reason I'm telling you this is that this is a really iconic entrance for Jenny Blake that really feels authentic to the horniness of Dave Stevens without That's being right. gratuitous. Because, mm-hmm. and this is where I will only uh, get a little bit into the comic books, in that Jenny Blake is a brand new character to the world of the Rocketeer. Because in the comic books, Cliff Secord's girlfriend's name was Betty. And Betty was extremely sexualized. It was based on a pinup model from the 50s named Betty Page, who mm-hmm. uh, really got known for her erotic photography. Um, and Dave Stevens based all his drawings on this very voluptuous, very uh, sexually open 1950s pinup girl. And this is a Disney movie. So they did the Disney execs didn't do any of that. In fact, screenwriter Paul De Matteo recalled that this was partially informed for two reasons, that they, Disney wanted this to make this film more family-friendly, and they also didn't want to pay money to Betty Page, which is the right. most Disney thing ever. But anyways, <laughs> I, I think like... Wait, 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 wait. They didn't want to pay money to... Um, Betty Page for using her likeness or name. And that's yeah. classic Disney. Oh, okay, yeah, but like... So they didn't name the character Betty Page. Yep. Like, I, yeah, I mean so that's that's like the character. It's kind of a stretch. Even if they so like yeah, in in the, in the comic, Betty Cliff's girlfriend is in fact a pinup model, um, like yeah. a like a uh, you know a fashion model, but who does like nude photo shoots and stuff too. Um, so it makes sense enough sense that Disney would have wanted to change that aspect of the character and be like, okay, well she can't be like a nude model in this children's movie. Right. We can make right. her into right. an actress. But I kind of see Chris's point that like you could, could have still called could her just, just Betty. Her. Like there's, you could call her Betty if you want. You could yeah. call her Betty, Betty but Betty Blake. I, yeah. I got to assume that Dave Stevens, who was involved in this picture was kind of like, this is too much of a, deviation from my comic and mm. they're like fine we're gonna switch it to a new character's name and that's jenny blake and yeah. i, like I, I think, can't be like the betty that i want like it shouldn't be betty at all like let's just yes. come up with a whole new character yeah so i think like any, anyways the reason i'm bringing up is this entrance which is uh again like they made a, a pg version of this obviously far more risque character that dave stevens created but they kept like the idea of this pinup model-esque uh female protagonist in Jenny Blake without it being gratuitous. And I just think like the way it's done is very much PG Dave Stevens. I think it kind of yeah. nails the that the female form matters to Dave and the Rocketeer and that Jenny Blake is a real stunner and that it that she's quite frankly out of Cliff's league. She's out of Cliff's league, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, yeah, your point is a good one, I think, which is like our introduction to the character of Jenny is highly sexualized and this is a disney movie for kids (laughs) like it is it is a bold choice yeah well and it's it's sexual but it's also again like we were saying wholesome um it's like it's it's a it's a it's sexualized but wrapped in like the wrapping paper of wholesomeness yeah like it's it's like we barely even see like her bare leg before the stocking is pulled up it and and the belt is clipped on um, and then of course it like quickly, it doesn't, you know, the camera doesn't linger or like focus on anything. It just quickly pans up, yeah. um, to her. Like, it's the sort of, face. it's the sort of thing where like a young boy looking at this or a young girl thinks to his, him or herself, like, wow, that's a pretty girl. And right. An adult man or adult woman 
watching this is thinking, wow, that's a hot man. Oh, yeah. that's a hot woman. You know, it's yeah. a hot man yeah. is what Ben says about any Billy Campbell right. sequence, <laughs> which we all agree. Listen, uh, you um, know, it's got to be said. It's got to be said. But I will say, yeah. I I did mention I was going to mention that song again uh, because your sweet little headache. Let's just look at the opening lyrics. You're a sweet little headache, but you're lots of fun. I've got a good mind to spank <laughs> you, then thank you for all you've done. So like Wait, that those are the lyrics. I've got a good mind to spank you. I've got a good mind to spank you. So these 1930s wow, I did songs. I didn't realize that. And I think like the, the <laughs> pairing, the pairing of that song to this scene speaks to also that like 30s mu- music and 40s music. When you really look at the lyrics of these things, are as gratuitous as like the hardest songs from like the 90s in how openly they were where there was sexuality but in the 30s yeah. they had to like couch it this in was, like this was the two live crew of 1938 yeah this, exactly and they're basically couching this like very sexual I thought in this like sweet little song your sweet little headache but your lots of fun I've got a good mind to spank you like that's an absurd absurd <laughs> okay, lyric that's the last time you get to sing that no a little spank you <laughs> we're gonna have a, a custom ringtone ladies and gentlemen um, so folks we are one quarter of the way into this episode yeah just mm-hmm. yep just, and we're off the rails and that that means we're doing it right but anyways i think <sighs> i think it's important that this character's introduction is still at the heart of dave stevens kind of personality and the character he created however i'm gonna go on a ledge and say i think jenny blake is a better character than betty from Agreed. the comic book. I think she's yeah. it, to just reduce her to just a stunning looker is reductive of Jennifer Connelly and also like this character. I actually think Jennifer Blake is a great character, but the yeah, introduction she's an amazing character. But the introduction is very much like t- playing with this idea that she's a pinup model. It's exactly what you would see at like the boys in the war would have this pinned up in their barracks. Yeah, right? cheesecake art they call it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm just so saying, yeah, like, this, what an intro. I see this intro, this this opening shot, and again, like, this movie, my God, every single new character, like, they just treat everything with, like, such, like, reverence, and, like, and like everything gets, like, a special little, like, package when it's, like, presented and introduced uh, for the first time. Um, but I see this opening shot as basically, like, after they changed Dave Stevens' original vision and character... They were like, sorry to have to do this to you, Dave. Um, you know, it's a Disney film now. Like, you know, they're they're kind of in control. But you get a little treat. This is our a little treat. This is our nod to your inspiration. This is to, to your, you know, original vision. This is our homage to Betty Page. So it's really the only time in the film um, that we see, you know, Jenny really, like, sexualized in any way or like kind of objectified in any way obviously like she's you know put in uh some uh, amazing uh you know outfits and stuff uh throughout the movie um and you know there is uh basically what i'm saying is like yeah this is like the the one time where there is like a a nod to to dave stevens's um you know original and like you know it's like I, I appreciate that they did that. It's like, yeah. you know, we're going to we're going to take your thing and we're going to change it, which is, you know, obviously not what you want. But like, we're at least going to pay our respects to what you wanted, your original uh, vision. Um, and I just love that that they did that and they kept it clean. They kept it wholesome. Um, I mean, she's she's styled. I, I think this is the big difference, Chris, is that Betty from the comic books is styled after this pinup model, Betty Page. And what did they do? The pivot is very much that they styled Jenny Blake after what I perceived to be Veronica Lake, who is a very famous 1940s actress. Uh, I mean, the styling is identical. I mean, if you mm. look at them, I mean, Veronica Lake was a um, you know blonde-haired woman. But they the styling of these characters, you can tell they were drawing from the other wholesome pinup of that time. But Veronica Lake was a far more um, wholesome version. Of, of that same mm-hmm. kind of archetype, I would say. So outside the apartment window of Jenny Blake, we hear a horn. Whose is it? Yours. Jenny asks, who is it? She asks this to her, her roommate, Irma, who looks out the window, and Irma says, it's yours. 
and she's sort of annoyed, right? Mm. Well, I would argue, is this an apartment? And I actually think that this is some form of dormitory. Yeah, it's like we, a, a, a yeah, it, it's an all girls boarding house or dormitory boarding house. Because yeah. later we'll, you know, when when we find out who's in the car, it's Cliff Secord, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he walks up to the door and he is dressed JFK handsome. That's the only way I could write this. I was like, this guy is JFK handsome. Stepped right off of a football field. This is Mr. All-American QB level yeah. handsome. It really is like the classic image of like the American male uh, yeah. in like the middle of the century. Yeah. And his hair, Ben, how's it looking? Is it re- is it date ready? Uh, I would say so. I, I think I think he's um, I think he's got it. He's got it going on. He's uh, on he's the put John Polito the... scale, where John Polito's a zero and Billy Campbell's a ten. Listen, John, I would never call time. John Polito a zero. Okay, no, 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 different no. different types for different. That's different true. Folks. Wait, sorry, real quick. We kind of have we have we actually mentioned the fact that um, Jenny Blake is the the actress portraying this character Jennifer Connelly have we we have not I don't want really... to go down a, a massive uh, yeah. you know digression but we should point out that that Jennifer Connelly is playing this character uh, I don't need to get into a whole uh, history of her career but I just wanted to make a quick little uh, you know side note um, uh, just how awesome Jennifer Connelly is uh, yeah. and I'm not gonna objectify her or talk about how she looks because I like to you know, when I do this podcast, I like to try to objectify present... only Billy Campbell. <laughs> yes, only Billy Campbell. I'm sorry, yeah. um, but no, I like to uh, offer observations and um, and and takes that are original and yeah. maybe you know interesting. And I'm sorry, but saying that um, Jennifer Connelly is hot is like the least, uh, the most obvious, least interesting take um, in the history of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Suffice to say, you know, uh, she's she's perfect. She's a... Can I a... ask you a question? Did you guys... So you both watched and worshipped this movie as kids. Yeah. Did you have an awareness of, like, who... I, I, I get the sense, Ben, that, like, Billy Campbell is someone that you really loved and you probably, like, knew, tracked him throughout the rest of his career or something that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me if you told me that <laughs> mm-hmm. but i guess what i'm getting at is this i only came to learn about jennifer connelly the first time i remember seeing jennifer connelly on screen was in requiem for a dream ben. what the hell do you think i've been huh where's the score well we had a little bit of a problem see I mean, everything was going good. And then some dumbass junkie... Did I mean, what? Some dumbass junkie did what? You mean you fucked it up? What the fuck is wrong with you? You promised me that everything was going to be okay, remember? I fucked that sleaze bag for you, and I put myself through fucking hell for you? There's nothing out there! I don't give a shit, you fucking loser! Yeah. And when I when I watched The Rocketeer, uh, in re-watching The Rocketeer with you guys... I was like, oh no, no kidding! Like that's a young Jennifer Connelly. That's that's like so cool. That's so interesting. Yeah. For you guys, since this movie was very important to you as kids, did you have an awareness of her and like? Do you know what? Do you I know absolutely. What I'm yeah, I, know, like, I absolutely did. Um, entirely because of the 1986 film Labyrinth. Um, and that was an extremely formative film of my youth. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Jim Henson, David Bowie. Give me the child. Sarah, beware. I have been generous up until now, but I can be cruel. Generous? What have you done that's generous? Everything. Everything that you wanted, I have done. You asked that the child be taken. I took him. You cowered before me. I was frightening. I have reordered time. I have turned the world upside down, and I have done it all for you. I am exhausted from living up to your expectations. Isn't that generous? Through dangers and toils and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City. For my will is as strong as yours. 
and motion. Stop. Wait. Look, Sarah. Look what I'm offering you. Your dreams. And my kingdom is great. I ask for so little. Just let me rule you. And you can have everything that you want. Kingdom is great. Damn. I can never remember that line. Just fear me. Love me. Do as I say and I will be your slave. Have no power over me. Have no power over me. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the girl from well yeah, like literally she was a girl like you know. A girl. Yeah, so she when... so Jennifer Connolly, just sorry, real quick, just because I think it's crazy. Her career is crazy. Born in 1970, um, in the Catskills, raised mostly in Brooklyn, New York. Shout out. Uh, greatest city in the world. Um, so she was a model by like age 10 and began doing auditions when she was only 11 years old. 11. She was selected to play a supporting part in Sergio Leone's gangster epic, Once Upon a Time in America. My beloved is white and ruddy. His skin's as the most fine gold. His cheeks are as a bed of spices. even though he hasn't washed since last December. His eyes are as the eyes of doves. His body is as bright ivory. His legs are as pillars of marble. In pants so dirty they stand by themselves. He is altogether lovable. But he'll always be a two-bit punk. So he'll never be my beloved. What a shame. Her very first fucking film role was a four-hour Sergio Sergio Leone, you know, classic. Uh, Robert De Niro, uh, a million other people. Uh, amazing film. Um, she was also, uh, shortly thereafter, um, a, showed up in a uh, Duran Duran video <laughs> in 1983 uh, for uh, this insane, crazy, like, uh, look it up if you've never seen it. Uh, it's called, it's a song called Union of the Snake. She's like, it's not even clear. Like she's like a like background like kid. Uh, in the That's video. also a deep cut Duran Duran song. Just yeah, to, it's just not even, I don't there. even know. Yeah, a very deep cut. I don't even know why they made a video for it, but it was the '80s and they were making videos of everything uh, for that band. But uh, it's an awesome video. And then her first leading role, following her, you know, a small but you know like important role um, in Once Upon a Time in America. Her first leading role is in the Italian giallo director Dario Argento's 1985 film, Phenomena. Hey, Jennifer, listen. What? I'm a spider. Look, I'm a and spider. And I'm a rope. Speak and you shall be obeyed. No. Look, I'm a no. spider. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm a killer spray. Ah. Death to an insect. Ah. I'm a mosquito. I'm a fly. I'm a mosquito. I'm a fly. That's wild. That's wild. C- 
crazy, yeah, that she, like, they've, like, found this girl. You know, again, she was 13, 14 at the time uh, of making that. And then, of course, in 1986 came Labyrinth, where she's going toe-to-toe with David Bowie. And, um, and the weird thing is that it was, like, so she kind of, like, disappeared in the late 80s, had, was in a couple other movies, um, a very weird movie in 1988 called Some Girls with uh, a young Patrick Dempsey. Um, but when, when she was cast in the Rocketeer, I remember like reading reviews and stuff where people were like, oh yeah, like a pre-fame, like kind of unknown Jennifer Connelly. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She was like the star of Labyrinth. Like one of the, I don't know, like maybe like I was just a weirdo and Labyrinth isn't as big uh, as I thought it was, but like Labyrinth was massive and Phenomena is awesome. And yeah, so anyway, um, but yeah, she had a weird career. And then obviously, like, you know, later on, uh, by the time she was in uh, Requiem for a Dream, pivoted to like much more, you know, ser- serious kind of like, you know, art house type films. And mm-hmm. but yeah, obviously, she's been in tons of stuff. Um, most re- recently saw her in Top Gun Maverick. And guess what, folks? She still got it. Uh, yep. Great. Incredible Top Gun movie. Maverick. Great role there. Um but yeah, I mean, I I gotta say, so Ben, uh, his true introduction he recalls is Labyrinth, and he was a huge fan. He spent most of his time wearing a David Bowie cod piece growing up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'll find photos. I'll find and photos. And a wig. <laughs> yep, it was a yep. What? He, no, no, he did no, not. No. I wish. I wish. I wish. Um, I do. I would. I. I'm, I'm retconning a. a costume, yeah. So the I recall for me. Definitely my introduction to Jennifer Connelly was 1991's The Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. And again, like, I was so absorbed in the movie, I didn't care who it was. Like, I really, when I first saw this, I only saw Cliff. I only saw Jenny Blake. Like, that's the beauty of seeing this movie as a child is mm-hmm. the – I never thought about actors. I was not aware of, like, oh, Alan Arkin from Steppenwolf Repertory Company. Like, that wasn't, like, in my head, uh, like, uh, Baby Wall Street Chris Wendelkin over here. You didn't love Catch-22 as a five-year-old? Yeah, I did. I was not uh, watching Catch-22. But I, I, so when I first saw this movie, I think, like, you know, 1991, I'm six. So I'm just kind of, like, aware of her being beautiful, but I'm also just, like, I think, I, again, when you're a kid, you're just like, oh, I guess that's what college is. Or like, I'm like, like mm-hmm. I was like, I probably thought the everyone here was old, honestly, which is so funny. Like, everyone's so young yeah. in this movie. But when you're six, you're like, this is, uh, it, it's strange. So, But I, I certainly remember this was my introduction to Jennifer Connelly as uh, a person. But I saw her as Jenny Blake. And I'm a big fan of Jenny Blake. I think it's a cool character. Yeah. No, it's an amazing character. We'll get into it. Um but yeah, I just wanted to lay a little groundwork and, and, this, and pay, this some, is the, pay some respects to. Yeah, the and this is technically the second time we've seen Jenny. The first time we saw Jenny was, was technically in the, in, in the photograph where Cliff has it pinned up in yep. in his biplane, the GB, not the BG. Yeah, staying alive. <laughs> so many times, uh, but no, it's a GB, a GB. We saw the photo of Jenny, his lady luck, and this is the flip side. Where the introduction yeah. to the Jenny is that we actually see that she also has a photo Aww. of Cliff uh, pinned up, and she kisses her finger and plants her finger with red lipstick right oh, on Cliff's picture. Mark on his lips. And this is when you're actually seeing that their sweetheart status is quite equal. Uh, but what we're going to come to learn is that Cliff Secord is a jealous, jealous. Uh, man who is very not a perfect boyfriend he is not a great boyfriend we're gonna get into that in a hot second because this sequence is kind of all about cliff not being a great boyfriend there is no such thing as toxic masculinity so chris what happens next how do we get cliff in we hear the honk whose is it yours so there's a honk again i'm 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 just giving a broad overview we will dive into specifics you may proceed broadly, you may proceed broadly yeah. for the audience listening so there's a honk outside jenny asks her roommate you know is it for me is it yours 
Irma says it's it's yours, and she waves to a man outside who's walking into the building. We see the man is Cliff Secord. Betty kisses uh, her index finger, applies the kiss to this black and white photo, like Christian said. This is clearly her boyfriend. It's on her makeup mirror. The man in the photo is Cliff. Now, I would love to spend just a second talking about Ben's man crush mm-hmm. Cliff and his get up. His look. Sp- his preppy get up. The, J- the JFK so we- get up. We yeah. have a khaki-colored V-neck sweater. Ugh, with little stripes on the collar. It's like a V. A wi- uh. Yeah, a wide open collar shirt beneath it that's like a cream collar. Then we have these tan khaki trousers that are tucked into calf-length leather boots. Ugh. And I mean, he is basically just a jockey at a polo yeah, match, he right? He is a flyboy. But it's funny because uh, in a moment, yes, he is dressed exactly as you imagine JFK. He's dressed like that perfect polo boyfriend. But in a moment, he's plucked straight out of Camelot. And we're going to realize, though, in a moment when he ultimately gets Jenny out for a date and brings her to his ride, he's in this jalopy uh, beater pickup truck from the field that PV and he were driving not too long ago. Uh dragging the bronze statue around. And, and the reason I bring this up is, to me, I read that there's a subtle class dynamic difference between Cliff and Jenny. Jenny is in this Jenny, nice sure. Ivy League-looking dormitory, and Cliff mm. might be dressed the part, but when he goes to that car, that thing is a junker, and it is obvious that this Jenny Blake is out of his league from a pure like class American mm. dynamic. To me. Hmm. Well, talk about class. Like when he shows up at the door, what's the first thing he does? He takes his chewing gum and yes. he puts sticks it, it on a window. Yeah. Vile. And ladies <laughs> yeah. and gentlemen. What a little punk. A little what a little punk. A little personal history about me. Uh for two summers oh, when no. I was You were that kid? <laughs> no, no, no. Even worse. Even more strange, Chris. When uh from <laughs> for two summers, I you was, did graffiti. No, I was a janitor. <laughs> I was a janitor okay. in my middle school. I was I was in high school, and my mom's like, "You're getting a job," and I, for some reason, became a janitor in my middle school. And by the end of the summer, amazing. I Wait, you were a kid janitor. I was a kid janitor. <laughs> I was a kid janitor. Wait, so you were a boy with a mop yes. and wore coveralls. Yes, and I was working with like fifty to sixty year old dudes and who two packs a day, a hundred percent. And I would take rides with these gentlemen. Anyways, most of my summer was spent. That is amazing. It was ridiculous. <laughs> amazing. And I, if I was a young Wall Street boy, you were a young janitor. I was a and young that janitor. Is Perfect. And I will yep. say I, that, that seeing Cliff Secord stick gum on the wall brought back all kinds of triggered memories for me. Oh, boy. Because I spent yeah. a majority of my summer, three months, in the scorching, uh, humid heat of New England, flipping desks of my peers over because I was only two years removed from this middle school. And Oof. I'd be flipping, and it was covered in gum. And I'm Ugh. scraping it off. And <laughs> oh, no. I, ladies and gentlemen, I will say this. It was purgatory because every room looked identical. So I'd spend a whole day cleaning a room <laughs> and then go to the next room and it looked identical. And I did that for three months. But anyway, seeing wow. seeing Cliff do this, I'm remembering how difficult it was to get that defaced property. He is Cliff is a Neanderthal for doing this. Wait, one one question real quick. So is that like a screwdriver that you pop the gum off? The oh, Chris, we had a whole bunch of tools. <laughs> yeah, what Some, like how does one get he, the gum off? If it was uh wedged into the crevice between the metal frame and the desk, oh, oh you were gonna oh. need a flathead. Uh, uh, but if if it was just smushed to the bottom of the desk, oh, we're talking your your classic paint scraper is going to get that off for you, hmm. and then you do that for months on end. Uh, as really an incredible move, the gum beneath the desk, yeah. which has become sort of like a like a rite of passage yeah. for middle schoolers. Yeah, it's, and it really makes no sense. Like I'm sure at one point there was a practical element what you know i'm a kid in class and all yeah gum, no, you, you've lost your flavor because most of these kids are not having oh, tried it you've right, lost your juicy based. gum and maybe cliff is that that he's lost the flavor and he's this thing doesn't have flavor so i'm just gonna put also, it on a wall well, well no, wait, he, wait 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 we're, we're forgetting about an important element here which is why does cliff use gum he's trying to get lucky tonight boys 
Yeah. All right. This is great. He, this is a great he uses call. gum. That's a great for point. luck. So yeah. it's not like yes, he is an animal and a goblin and should never uh, trigger my poor cousin in this way. So sorry. Yeah. But um, I'm very sorry uh, to hear about your past trauma. Yeah. Well, they, the, the janitor is, of this, I think this ground. Is a, a very strategic gum move. I agree. Um, I mean, and he you know, also. He could he's, be a little bit more considerate about where he places it gum, the gum. I don't. I don't true. see any reason why it has to be on the exterior of this, uh, you know, boarding house dormitory for for women. Um, well, but, he forgot uh, he has it. He he could have tossed it in the bushes, um, but he's forgotten that he's even chewing it, and he knows he's about to go on a hot date, and he yeah. doesn't want to show his mechanic status. So he's like, I got to dispose of. Because he kind of is chewing like a cow. I mean, again, like he is ooze, trying to ooze this I am equal to Jenny status with his look. But the gum signifies to me, just like the jalopy car, that he is actually not. He is a a country bumpkin who's playing out of his league. And that speaks to Cliff Secord in general that we're going to learn yeah. throughout the film is that Cliff deep down, despite being all the handsome that you can imagine – internally doesn't feel impressive he yeah. feels less than and he's always worried about jenny leaving him yeah seeing him seeing seeing through him seeing, seeing yeah. him he's kind of kind of a fraud he, he's kind of like a baby giraffe or something you know yes. what i mean he's just like sort of like growing into like he's got these long limbs he's yes. kind of like growing into himself he's very immature yeah he's stumbling you know, like he, he's bumbling he's, he's he's got great potential but he's he's figuring himself out speaking yeah. of immature can we talk about the fact that right before we see him deposit that gum on the window he passes by a you know housemate of jenny's like walking out of the building and he gives her like a real long kind of kind of look, oh, look yeah. back over his shoulder, like, uh, like oh, Good what's point. this little uh, little hot hot little number here? Meanwhile, he's, he's about himself. to go on a date with the most beautiful woman in the history of of the world, and he's like, oh, you know, I just want to <laughs> check out, uh, you know, some, uh, he's he's extremely immature, can't have enough. juvenile. Now, to be um, fair, this and, man is also, we have to recall, has just survived a massive plane crash and is probably still throttling high. <laughs> Co- and has, yeah. has, has found a jetpack. This guy is like feeling like a god. Yeah. I think deep down, like he knows he's insecure, but he's like, eh, I'm pretty cool right now. He's feeling himself. Yeah, he, it, you know, it all sort of makes sense, right? Like the only person that could really risk his life like that up in the tiny little plane and also like convince himself that he should be flying with a jetpack is someone like this who just runs on pure id yeah. and pure testosterone yep. and just is like yeah i'm just running on pure uh masculinity and yeah. energy and and pure yeah. masculinity meets its match in miss pie the headmistress yeah. head chaperone of this preparatory dormitory whatever it is uh, who, so I think it's a I think it's a boarding house. It's a boarding yeah. house, right? And yeah. she is the interchangeable terms. Yeah. She is the head uh, chaperone of the dorm, and she lays down the law by saying, "You know my rules: no gentlemen after six p.m." Evening, Miss Pie. You know my rules: no gentlemen after six p.m. Well, I'm no gentleman. You're gonna say that again. To which Cliff gives a great 1940s esque uh, banter. He goes, oh, mm-hmm. I'm no, but I'm no gentleman. I'm not a gentleman. And Miss Pie rolls her eyes. You could say that again. At which point, Jenny does enter the frame. But I love that exchange between Cliff and Miss Pie says a lot about. It's very he's sweet. A little bit, yes. He's like a little Eddie Haskell, though. He's like, again, he's a bad little boy. He's a bad. Yeah. We got This is a film filled with bad little boys doing bad little yeah. boy things. And yeah. this is Cliff's this- version of it. And Mrs. Pie is real, like, grandma energy. Oh, yeah, yeah. big time. She's, like, real um, principal of the elementary school. Mm -hmm. I'm your grandma, and and don't you cross me kind of energy, right? Yeah, very protective, but sweet. Like, I, you yeah. know, she she knows yes. that Cliff deep down is a, is a good little boy, even if he plays like a little rascal sometimes. Um, so, you know, I think I think their dynamic is a is a, a positive, wholesome and one. Miss, and Miss Pie knows his lucky intentions because when Jenny sweetly says, good night, Miss Pie, Miss Pie says, have a good time, dear, very sweetly to Jenny, and then pointedly to both of them, but more to Cliff. Evening, Miss Pie. 
You know my rules. No gentleman after 6 p.m. Well, I'm no gentleman. You're gonna say that again. Hello. Hi. Good night, Mrs. Pye. Have a good time, dear. If he tries anything, deck him. And don't forget the curfew. I lock up at 11 sharp. Yes, Warden. If he tries anything, deck him. I love deck that him. line. And it mm-hmm. says, it, it's kind of nice that uh, it, I know everything about Miss Pye from her short sequence. She's a protective mother hen. And then Cliff uh, calls her a warden, uh, yes. <laughs> which I also love. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she says, uh, yeah, if he tries anything, deck him and don't forget the curfew. I lock up at 11 sharp and under his breath, Cliff just quips, yes, warden. Yeah. We love it. We, we love it, folks. Love it. Beautiful. Now, this is also where we get the introduction as to like who Jenny is, because we don't really know anything about her at this point, and we learn that she's an actress. Yeah, so can we also just talk about her look for a second, because we finally see a wider shot here. So let's just let's Now, Ben, talk just I need you to look away from Billy Campbell's yeah, I'm gonna... hair. Look away let's from stick Billy. stick to the costume. Yeah, okay. Let's just stick to the costume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a slick getup. She looks great. She so it's it's it. Her blouse is like a. You were saying before, Ben. There's like a white top, but beneath it, there's this like black and white checkered sleeve. Yeah, I can't tell um, if it's two actual articles of clothing or if it's like a shirt that's kind of uh, combined with like a vest front with like these uh, kind yeah. of black and white check sleeves. Um, and there's this like zip up portion of the blouse that's open a bit around the, the chest and the neck and then she has this red purse which really matches her beautiful red lipstick mm-hmm. um, I mean, so quite, it's just like very coordinated and like considered and th- I mean it is I mean, Billy Campbell is is equally the costuming here is 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 phenomenal but they both look like they've put a lot of thought into this date this evening yes it is her her her, her attire to me reads like it is the perfect complement to the classic black and white shoe of the 40s and 50s, the saddle shoe, mm-hmm. which was a, a patent white leather with like a black overlay. Like it stylistically feels like someone took that and ran with it with this outfit, which is this very clean white with spotted gingham black. It's so, yeah, it's so classy. I mean, the thing is like her hair again is perfectly quaffed in a Veronica Lake fashion. She's wearing this very uh, kind of like Ivy League intellectual, smart, knows where she's going, business woman attire. And um, it's just so slick and graphic. It's Yeah. We can also state the obvious thing, which is like they look beautiful and they're beautiful people, but also people just don't dress up like this for dates anymore. Mm. And it's just like a nice reminder that like, you know, going out on a Friday night used to be an event in a way that it's just changed nowadays. I mean, not to sound too boomery, but um, <laughs> yeah, like they're 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 aesthetically right, beautiful Rooney. people. Yeah, yeah right. they're aesthetically beautiful people. You know, like Ben was saying, like um, Jennifer Connelly was a was a model as a kid. Like you know, they're beautiful, but also, she's hot, folks. It turns yeah. out Jennifer Connelly is hot. Yes, you heard it here. You heard it here first. Both of them, (laughs) both of them are are hot, but also they really um, put a lot of effort into looking nice, which is nice. I mean, when yeah, we appreciate it. When I take my wife to the movies wearing um, nothing but UGG boots and camo camouflage (laughs) uh, cargo pants to go see the latest Ant Man movie. I know, I know I can be doing better. I know I could be doing better. And this is a real reminder of what what could be if I just, I took my I'm with stupid tank top off and treated myself and my partner with the respect she deserves. I've done seven tour lectures so far and almost everybody dresses up, which I think is really cool. Really? Young men in particular come to the lecture tour dressed up in suits, three-piece suits. They or the couples come and they're dressed up like they're coming to a wedding or so that's really something. Why uh, do you think that is? Why do you, is is it because you set that they're standard? Sick acting like kids. Cliff Cliff gets it. These these and they look like they belong together. Like Cliff and Jenny look yeah. like they they belong really together. do. They're just yeah. perfectly paired. Yeah. They're like the homecoming. They're like homecoming king and queen. Absolutely. You know, like they 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 just look the part. Yeah. But yeah. ladies, ladies, uh, I'm gonna snap my fingers because we are about to have a ladies uh, red flags here, folks. On Cliff, we are having some red. 
Oh, lads. Yeah, um, this man's yeah. about to get because, canceled. Prepare uh, yourself. Because the immediate interaction between Cliff and Jenny is like, God, he is a bad boyfriend. Yeah. Because yeah. Hey, and let's call it like it is. Maybe she's got a thing for bad boys. Yeah, well, I I can't say I blame her. But as Gabble would say, I'm a bad little boy. Let's let's track it throughout the course of the movie. I think it's fair to say she might have a thing for bad boys. She might have a thing for bad boys, but this is beyond bad boy. She's got some problematic faves, you could say. This is a bad boyfriend, because what happens is she excitedly says to Cliff, Cliff, guess what? I think I got the part. That's great. For a moment, says the right thing. He goes, that's great. So and far, Cliff, so good, Cliff. So far, Just Cliff, don't fuck it up. It. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. <laughs> Just stick the landing. You're on a date with the most beautiful perfect, woman Cliff. in we history. Please, we all we you love have a supportive, to... We love a supportive yeah. male partner. All you have to do is be nice. You're either masculine or you're toxic. You thought the plane smashing into Wilmer's car with the wheel flying off and Ugh. smashing into a gas truck was a bad landing. Wait till yeah. you hear this, folks. Ladies, red flags. Yeah. He goes... Uh, he goes, that's great. And Jenny says, I won't know for sure until tomorrow, but the director said that he liked my reading the Cliff, best. Cliff, guess what? I think I got the part. That's great. I won't know for sure till tomorrow, but the director said that he liked my reading the best. Oh, you mean you have lines this time? Just one. But it's to Neville Sinclair. Okay. Cliff says something that is so passive-aggressive. Don't shitty. do it, Cliff. Don't he do goes, it. oh, you mean you have lines this time? And immediately, ladies, zoom in. Fellas, ladies, look at Jenny's look. She gives a look that is clear, like, like frustrated. How dare you belittle me? But it's 1940, so she doesn't make us think about it. But just in her look. Because she's a loving, patient, perfect woman. And and she is obviously hurt by it. And Jennifer Connelly plays that line beautifully because she doesn't just, like, accept it. You can tell she winces a little bit, knowing that Cliff just said something kind of mean to her. And yeah. uh, she goes, just one, but it's to Neville Sinclair. And then Cliff, yet again, meanwhile, the wheels have split off and he's sliding towards the gas truck of life. He goes, okay, which is so flippantly dismissive. Uh, he goes, let's hear it in that very flippant way. And what line does he say, Ben? Or what does Jenny say? Oh, my prince, would that you drink of my lips as deeply. And then he kisses you. No. He's too busy killing someone. And then he kisses you. And what is Jenny... With a look, a look of disgust on his face. Yeah, disgust. Like horror, like how dare, like ugh, gross. And yeah. then she does the opposite, an equal reaction, where she kind of stares off fancifully, like thinking of that idea fondly. Mm. And then she says, no, he's too busy killing someone. And that's, to me... The point of this sequence is to show Cliff for who he is, which is a petty, jealous, insecure, uh, insecure man yeah. who happens to be in the body of JFK. Yeah. Like, like I'm thinking to myself, like Cliff, you don't need to neg this woman. You are the, one of the hottest men of all time. Like, you can just be nice, <laughs> and this will go great. Like, all you need to do is be a gentleman, be kind, and. Yeah. You don't need your lucky gum. You got this in the bag, buddy. Let me yeah. tell you. But uh, no, nope, he is too busy wiping oil off his face as the <laughs> the plate smashing. He, he's ruining his own chances. And what I think is uh, so telling about this interaction is that he's clearly oblivious. Like he knows that he's got a photo of Jenny in his cockpit, but it's clear to me from the sequence that he has no idea that she has a photo upstairs of him mm. and cares as deeply about him as he does yeah. about her. He's worried that Neville Sinclair is going to steal his girl and that she's going to run the second a better opportunity comes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he has any real awareness because he's completely self-involved and self-absorbed and self-obsessed and really is is constantly just thinking about right what his you know what's going on in in, in his in his own life what's his deal and w- wouldn't even think to put himself in Jenny's shoes and consider for a moment yeah how she might feel about him he's just yeah like i don't know it's it's a very confusing dynamic because as we're going to see he does obviously care about her a lot but 
yeah, it's he's again, I think he's just very immature um, and mm-hmm. kind of a shithead. And, you know, but that's why uh, that's why there's character arcs. And, yeah, and Chris, uh, and, what, what does she want to know about Cliff? What does she what does she well, want she, to know? She asks Cliff about his maiden voyage. Like a with good the plane. girlfriend, she then says, "So tell me about your day. Like, yeah, what what about the the maiden vo- voyage?" Oh, my prince, would that you drink of my lips as deeply. And then he kisses you. No, he's too busy killing someone. Now you tell me. What? The maiden voyage. How did she fly? She flew great. Landing had a few bumps. She flew great. Landing had a few bumps. More folks, than that, folks. <laughs> well, you know, it's a little... It's uh, Listen, that's not quite the truth. This is relatable, though, honestly. Like, you never really want to tell your significant other bad oh, news. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you do, you always want to sugarcoat it. Like... Um, had it go driving home in the snow today, uh, uh, husband. Oh, it was great. No hiccups. Yeah, yeah the car definitely didn't skid. Yeah, um, I didn't no, plow yeah, it was into great. its deer that flew over the roof. <laughs> easier to say things are fine instead of launching into a conversation that you might not know where that, that goes, you know? Yeah. How, was that, uh, how was that camping trip you took? Uh, any any issues with bears? No, 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 no. It was great. Yep, yep. nothing to worry about. I'll continue doing this. Yeah. Yep. And he quickly changes his subject and we kind of get another indicator of who he is because yeah we better scram a word that needs to come back ladies and gentlemen we get her yeah. scram if we're going to catch that cagney movie and mm. at this point she kind of says uh proffers that it's her turn to pick and she wants to go to a neville sinclair movie hey we better scram if we're going to catch this cagney movie uh, 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 it's my turn to pick uh-oh there's a new neville sinclair movie oh jen you know cagney's better I mean, come on, you won't catch Cagney lounging around his penthouse in his underwear or walking poodles in the park or doing any of that Or other... getting shot down behind enemy lines. What are you talking about? The movie, Wings of Honor. Neville Sinclair? Uh-huh. Oh, brother. This I gotta see. We go back to Petty, Petty Cliff, who's like, ugh, Jen, you know Cagney is better. You know yeah. you won't catch Cagney lounging around in his penthouse in his underwear or walking <laughs> around with poodles in the park or any of that. And then Jenny says, well, or getting shot behind enemy lines. And mm. I just, I just want to say Christian, she, she does mention the movie by name, which is wings of honor. Wings yes. of honor, mm-hmm. which we've already seen on screen, the giant yep. billboard yeah. in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So um, this is, the, this is the movie that Ben pointed out multiple episodes ago at this point the the billboard with the plane on it that cliff zips by yep. when he's flying also Things real quick before we, out in yeah. theaters in 1938 also just real quick uh before we skirt by it completely uh cagney of, of course is a uh, reference to uh one of the megastars of the 30s 40s and 50s uh james cagney um who in fact did have uh made he was in two movies that came out in 1938 uh, the more famous of which is the gangster classic Angels with Dirty Faces. But that film didn't come out until uh, around late November 1938. And uh, we're now in October uh, in the movie. So Cliff and Jenny are most likely uh, discussing whether to see uh, Boy Meets Girl, a screwball comedy starring Cagney that came out in August of 1938. So uh, Also, for anyone paying attention, James Cagney's film Angels with Dirty Faces should not be confused with the made-up Home Alone movie Angels with Filthy Souls, which uh, is the movie that Kevin yes. McAllister plays uh, when Keep he's trying to... Keep the change of filthy animal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, a movie that is not real, and I think I only learned that three years ago, that that's not yeah. a real movie. Wait, you're telling me that's not real? That's not a real no. movie. It's made up entirely for the film. Wow. Yeah. They shot that scene just for, for Home, Home Alone. Alone. Yeah. yeah, made it look like an old film. Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on a doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But what about my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. That a fact. How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, 
I tell you what I'm gonna give you, snakes. I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. But it, it must have that's been... That's an iconic... That's an iconic film in my life, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. It's real. That it's a real. That they yeah. created is it's a real, real movie. Yep, but Angels with a Filthy Souls must have been a reference to Angels with Dirty Angels Faces, with dirty faces. James, 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 like Cagney, because it's also a, a gangster movie. So that's yeah. interesting. I can, I can pretty much guarantee you there's tummy guns in that movie. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So uh, you're right. There's other movies out there, but he's going to go see Neville Sinclair because, uh, you know, he wants to make his lady happy yeah this is where cliff you know pulls back from from the abyss uh and is like you know what i'm actually gonna be cool about this and instead of throwing a big fit a big tantrum uh like a like a big baby that he is he says neville sinclair this i gotta see yeah and actually you know uh, concedes to the uh, to, to his his uh, date's choice. So, and yeah. ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are about to smash hard cut to maybe the most shocking hard cut I've ever seen in a Disney movie, which we will get to next week. <laughs> I can already tell. That's a we're going to talk about this in the next episode. Because yeah, this is going to be. Oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, only can of worms. Yep. Mile point. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie.